Earlier this week, I heard somebody say, is this how the apocalypse begins? And when I first heard the question, I dismissed it as ridiculous because I thought, no, the apocalypse is going to be way more dramatic than this. But then I remembered the true meaning of the word apocalypse. It's an ancient Greek word. It's a biblical word, actually. And it's where we get the word revelation in the last book of the Bible. Apocalypse is really two words in Greek. Apo, which means away, and calypto, which means cover. In other words, apocalypse means to lift away the cover, to unveil, which is why we call it revelation, because new things are revealed, new things are exposed, new things are brought to light. So I thought about the person's question again, and I thought, you know, in many ways, yes, this is an apocalypse, because so much is being revealed. I'm having things exposed in my own soul, places that I was placing my hope for the future now being wiped away in a struggling economy. That's been exposed in my own heart. Places where I put my hope, dynamics in the family, the good, the bad, the ugly in culture, it's all being exposed right now. It's all being revealed. So yes, we are in an apocalypse. We are in an unveiling. But not only are we having things exposed about ourselves, we, all, we are also having revelation about God. Maybe you, like me, have been wondering over the last couple of weeks, where is God in all of this? Have you wondered that? Where is God in all of this? Is he aware? Is he in the midst of? Is he aloof? Where is God? And in an amazing way, our scripture today, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, which we had assigned many weeks ago before this Sunday ever came along, this story of young Jesus in the temple while his parents are looking for him helps us answer the question, where is God in all of this? I love God's timing because when we watch Jesus, how he behaves in this story, we get a glimpse of the very character of our Father in heaven. So let's look at it together. I just can't wait to dive into it with you because we get this profound and clear answer to the question, where is God in all of this? Reveal that to us, O oh God, in your word. The story begins with routine. As our lives looked just a few weeks ago, normal routine. Let's pick up the story in verse 41 with Mary and Joseph. It says this, Now Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Every year, custom. Life was going according to plan. Everything was routine. But suddenly, as in our world in the last few weeks, chaos is introduced to the equation. Chaos disrupts the routine. Let's pick up the story in verse 43. When the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Everyday routine is Great, and all of a sudden, chaos is introduced into the picture. Where is Jesus? Whose responsibility was Jesus? Who was watching Jesus? Who was he with? How could you have done this? And their world gets totally disrupted. In fact, when we finally find Jesus in the temple, 
Mary describes her experience in a pretty interesting way. In verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Now, there's a lot packed into that word, great distress. It really means severe pain, both physically or emotionally. Great distress. Maybe a better translation would have been agony. Mary and Joseph were frantically searching for their boy. It agonized them. Has anyone watching this felt great distress over the last couple of weeks of our lives? We had normal everyday routine going on and suddenly chaos comes in and completely disrupts it. For Mary and Joseph, it came in the form of losing their 12-year-old boy. They didn't know where he was. And for three long days, they frantically searched for him. They were in great distress. I can't imagine what this was like for them. My wife Nancy and I once momentarily lost our daughter Evangeline. We were in an ice skating rink just hanging out as a family with other people casually skating. And we were taking off our, our laces of our skates afterward and suddenly I didn't know where Evangeline was. Nancy didn't know where Evangeline was and we searched and we frantically tore the place upside down looking for her. Only 12 minutes later we found her. She was heading out to the exits but those 12 minutes lasted in our minds like in eternity. And haven't the last couple of weeks felt that way to us as well? Every day right now feels like a week. I look at the news from yesterday or the day before and it feels like it's from a lifetime ago. Mary and Joseph for three long days were frantically searching. They were in great distress. I don't know what their conversations were like. I like to imagine it. It's kind of funny to me. I'm imagining maybe Mary saying something like this to Joseph saying, Joseph, this is our responsibility. This is our son. Don't you remember what the angels came and told us about him? He's the Messiah. This is our son. What are we doing? And, and maybe Joseph turned to Mary and said, well, you know, Mary, technically, uh, he's not my kid. So you go ahead and look for him. Now, I don't know if Joseph ever said that, but I do know they were in great distress. And I wonder if there's been any tension-filled conversations and marriages in our world over the last couple of weeks. I know there has been. That's what happens when chaos comes in and disrupts our routine. The question on Mary and Joseph's mind was, where is Jesus? Where is he? And the question maybe on some of our hearts right now is, where is God? I feel disrupted. I feel chaotic. I feel out of control. Where is God in all of this? And we get a beautiful answer in this text, in this story, from young Jesus. When they find him in the temple, this is what he says, verse 49. Jesus said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now, I have a 12-year-old son in my household right now, and this sounds kind of like something he would say. Sometimes we turn to him and we say, Riley, what were you thinking? And he looks at us like, well, what's the problem? 
And Jesus turns to Mary and Joseph and he says, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? I think this is Jesus' way of saying, I am exactly where I am supposed to be right now. I am in the temple. That's where they found young Jesus. God the Son in the person of Jesus was in the temple. Why? Because God the Spirit and God the Father dwelled in the temple, the Holy of Holies, where the three members of the Trinity dwell in perfect harmony throughout all history before time began and long after time will conclude Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell together. Of course, Jesus was in the temple. He was where he was supposed to be with the Father and with the Spirit. God is exactly where he is supposed to be. Psalm 29 verse 10 says it this way. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. This is an amazing text. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The flood is disastrous. The flood is chaotic. The flood is... Is, 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 a, is a judgment of God and everything is going wrong in the midst of a flood and we might frantically search and say, where is God in all of this? He's not in the flood. God is not in the disease. He is not susceptible to any virus or any pandemic. No, he is on his throne above the flood, above the pandemic. God is exactly where he is supposed to be, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? You know, just, just remembering that, remembering that God is where he is supposed to be brings us comfort, doesn't it? It's better than the lies that we might be tempted to believe. We often have music on in our home. And I pay attention to the phrases and the words that are being sung in these songs. And there's been a couple of songs over the last few weeks that I've thought might be good theme songs for what's happening in our world right now. One of them is from the Hamilton soundtrack, the Broadway musical Hamilton. My children love it. They listen to Hamilton all the time. They sing it when they're playing on the floor. And they were singing this the other day. They were singing this phrase from Hamilton and it goes like this. It says, the world turned upside down. The world turned upside down. And I thought for a moment, yes, that is the theme song of this whole situation. Our world has been turned upside down. We've even heard that in the news, people using that phrase. The whole world has been turned upside down. But I pay attention to words, I pay attention to phrases, and I began thinking about that one, our world being turned upside down. And I thought, no, that's a lie. Our world has not been turned upside down. Planet Earth is still spinning on its axis, exactly the way sovereign God designed it to. The sun, the moon, the stars, the solar system, the galaxy are all precisely in place under God's sovereign hand. God sits enthroned over the flood. No, our world has not been turned upside down. It feels that way to us. We are out of control, but God is not. He's still seated on his throne. We get strength from that. We get peace from that. In fact, that's exactly what the psalmist says in the next verse. Psalm 29 verse 10 says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. See, if God was just one of us, he would be 
in the flood. He would be vulnerable to the disease, but he sits enthroned over the flood. And from that position, he gives us strength. He gives us peace. No, there's a better song than the world turned upside down. Another song that's been playing in my household, it's been ringing in my ears. We sang it in church just a couple of weeks ago. It goes like this. You reign above it all, you reign above it all. Over the universe and every human heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. That is a true lyric. God is seated upon his throne, reigning above it all. Jesus was in the temple. He was exactly where he is supposed to be. And so is our God right now in this moment. That's enough. That would be enough. That could be the whole message for us today. We get strength. We get peace simply remembering that God is on his throne. But actually, he has more for us. He has more than just the reality that he is seated upon his throne in his grace. He tells us he's not just on the throne. He is also with us. He is with us. Look with me at verse 51, how the story concludes. Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. You know, boy, Jesus could have remained in the temple. He could have said to Mary and Joseph, you guys have done a good job for the last 12 years trying to raise me, my earthly parents, but I'm okay now. I'm with my heavenly father. Go back to Nazareth and don't worry about me. No, he, he went home with them. I wonder what that walk home was like. Whereas the journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem was frantic, it was great distress in Mary's words, I bet the walk home was so much more peaceful, so much more joyful. I'm just picturing Joseph walking alongside his son Jesus, glimpsing over, glancing over every once in a while just to make sure he was still there, just to behold the face of Jesus. How much better that might have felt than frantically wondering, where is Jesus? He's, he's right here with us. He's walking home with us. The family is back together. We take comfort as well, not just knowing God is still seated upon his throne, but also knowing that God is with us. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And maybe you're wondering, well, how can that be? How is Jesus with us? He was obviously with Mary and Joseph in the flesh, but how is he with us? How do we look like Joseph did and take comfort in seeing the face of Jesus? Well, I've seen the face of Jesus in such real ways over the last couple of weeks. I've seen the face of Jesus when little children in our congregation are, are coloring and they're, and they're making pictures and they're sealing them up in envelopes and they're mailing them off to some elderly people in the congregation who are homebound. In that gracious act of compassion and kindness, I see the face of Jesus. I see his face in others and young, healthy people who go to the grocery store and deliver groceries to people in the community who have autoimmune deficiencies and vulnerabilities. I see the face of Jesus. On Thursday morning, 
I had a Zoom Bible study with 17 or 18 men in the congregation, and I saw their little faces on the Zoom screen, and I saw them encouraging one another. I saw them sharing their stories. I saw them getting into God's Word together and finding hope there. And in their beautiful faces, I saw the face of Christ. It comforted me. It encouraged me. Where is God in all of this? He's seated upon his throne, and he's right here in our midst. When things go wrong, we, it's almost like we, 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 we see Jesus even more. The, the revelation comes, the, the lid is pulled off, the veil is lifted, and we see ourselves for who we truly are, but we see Jesus. I love Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. I grew up watching him when I was a kid. And he has this wonderful quote that I think is very relevant in a moment like this. He said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. And I would modify this just a little bit and I would say, when I see scary things on the news and I wonder where is God in all of this, I say, look for the helpers. You will see the face of Christ. You will see the, the helping hand of Christ. You will see the loving heart of our God when you see the helpers. And parents, just a quick word to you. Our children are watching us. Our children are looking for the helpers. They're not in school right now. They're not learning as much academically, but they haven't stopped learning. They're soaking it all in. When we wonder with them, where is God in all of this? They're already wondering that, and they're looking to us. Let's be an answer for them. Let's show them what it looks like to be helpers, to be Christ-like servants in this world, not to self-advance, to self-protect, but to love and serve others in a variation of ways because we are in an apocalypse. We're in an unveiling. We're in a time of exposure, where we're learning who we truly are and we're learning who God truly is. There's a, a beautiful, inspired poem that was just put on Facebook some days ago by a woman named Sarah Bournes. She has some friends in our congregation. It's been passed around on Facebook. In fact, last time I checked, it had been passed, passed around almost 50,000 times on Facebook. And it's called Exposed. And it goes like this. We've all been exposed. Not necessarily to the virus, maybe. Who even knows? We've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides, exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible masks we wear, now exposed by the paper masks we can't hide far enough behind. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection of self. 
Corona is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions, leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship, our health, our hurry, our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lusts, our misplaced trusts. Corona is calling everything into question. What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without certainty? How do we love despite risk? Corona is exposing me, my mindless numbing, my endless scrolling, my careless words, my fragile nerves. We've all been exposed. Our junk laid bare, our fears made known, the band-aid torn, the masquerade done. So what now? What's left? Clean hands, clear eyes, tender hearts. What Corona reveals, God can heal. Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen.